you guys. All right, let's get into it, guys. Grab a seat. All right, we're going to start this morning with um, just showing a clip from The Chosen. Some of you will know The Chosen. It's in the sermon um, folder. Where are we? you jump up? Clipping subtitles. We might start again as well. Oh, what? Directions. Where people should... Okay, I'm going to... Hello, buddy. I've got it. <clears throat> the opening? Yes. What is it? A map. The what? Directions. Where people should look to find me. Good to see you all here this week. Um, what a clip. I love that clip. Um, not too late to join us for Alpha on Wednesday, so please do consider that. Uh, today, what I want to start by doing is just reading you the entire Sermon on the Mount again. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, actually, it was lovely speaking to so many of you over the week. Um, and all the varied reactions to listening to the sermon on the mount in one go. All glorious 16 minutes of Jesus' most famous sermon. Uh, the best comment to me during the week was one of the dads who said to me, well, I guess that saved you a bit of preparation time. <laughs> Not looking at anyone. Awesome. Awesome. But yeah, I do wonder how have you uh, continued to reflect on the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever lived. Well, today, as we get into the Beatitudes, which is just the Latin word for the blessings, we're going to continue to centre ourselves on the reality of Jesus' kingdom. These words that he speaks coming as lights into the darkness, 
uh, a guide as to what life looks like when we come under the reign of the kingdom of heaven. And I think what we're going to find is a description of the fruit produced from our proximity to Jesus and coming to live as this kind of renewed humanity under his reign. So just a reminder from last week, we must never separate the preacher on the mount from the Sermon on the Mount. The one who sets a high, high bar for our own righteousness, for the way that we will live our lives. A reminder, he is also the one who stoops down to the woman caught in adultery and says to her, neither do I condemn you. So as we start today in Jesus' startling claims of who is blessed, Let's read from the middle of chapter 4 to give context and to ground these words in the ministry of King Jesus. If you're following along, Matthew 4, verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and they followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets. And Jesus called them, and immediately they left the boat and their father, and they followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria. People brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, and Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside, he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn. For they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. A couple of years ago, I was part of a small team uh, from this church. I went to Nairobi in Kenya on a short-term mission trip. 
Uh, we had a lot of fun, included Maria up the back. And after a week of visiting churches and projects in the slums and going to schools, we were able to sneak away on a safari in the Masai Mara Game Reserve. Uh, that's where The Lion King was meant to be filmed. Uh, or, or based, I, I don't think it was a documentary. Uh, anyhow, we had a wonderful local tour guide who just seemed to know where to go and what to look for in order to spot the most impressive animals. And one of his most amazing moments was his spotting of one of the great finds in the Masamara, up a tree in the distance. Now none of us could see anything from the safari, safari vehicle uh, other than some leaves and a tree. But as we approached, lo and behold, lying up in the tree was the most beautiful leopard. And he was just hanging out in the tree with his limbs out either side of this large branch. Our guide knew where to look and what the distinguishing marks were, whereas all that we could see from a distance was a tree. I showed that clip from The Chosen, that kind of fictional account around the Gospels, which contains lots of Gospel moments, where Jesus says to Matthew, one of his disciples, that he has decided on his opening for the Sermon on the Mount. And he describes the Beatitudes like this. He calls them a map. Directions for where people should look to find me. Isn't that cool? What we have in the Beatitudes is the distinguishing marks of those who belong to God. For those looking to find Jesus, there's this sense in the Beatitudes that they will spot Jesus through his followers. Wouldn't that be nice? They will find Jesus through our way of living, marking us out, distinguishing us from the rest of the world. So as we kind of start today, wouldn't it be wonderful if people said you could be recognised by these distinguishing marks of the Beatitudes as belonging to God? You know, there's Matt. There's Greg. There's Karen, there's Christine. Clearly, they are blessed because of the way that they are merciful, pure in heart, a peacemaker. Amen. All right, I want to suggest five quick things today uh, as we look at these remarkable blessings. Uh, firstly, it's a description of kingdom living. Secondly, blessing is about being in sync with God. Thirdly, the Beatitudes relate to one another. Fourthly, this is the life of Jesus. And fifth, they form in us through proximity, proximity, proximity. So, firstly, the Beatitudes describe kingdom living. What's the kingdom? It seems that this is the main thing which Jesus talks about in his ministry. Well, we read from mid-chapter 4, because before we get to the Beatitudes, we are told that Jesus preached that the kingdom of heaven had come near. The kingdom of heaven had come near. And he calls disciples to follow him. And I guess you could call those first fishermen 
the first citizens of King Jesus' kingdom. Probably didn't seem like much at the time. A few fishermen following the son of a carpenter. But because the kingdom of heaven had come near in Jesus, it's no surprise that we read that immediately as he begins his ministry, Jesus begins to heal the sick and cast out evil. According to Matthew's Gospel, this is all good news. So what's the kingdom of heaven? Well, the prophets in the Old Testament, the expectation at the time of Jesus was that God would establish this kingdom at the very end of time. Right? At the end of time, God would come in power and force. His enemies would be wiped away. And it would usher in this time of renewal and healing. And the kingdom would be established. But much to everyone's surprise, Jesus comes announcing that the kingdom of heaven has come near right now in him. Before the end of time, the kingdom of heaven has peacefully broken into time as we know it. The future has begun to spread into the present. In Jesus, heaven invades earth. So, in the kingdom, God has come in his son to establish the rule and the reign of heaven onto earth. And what the Beatitudes do is they describe the life that God blesses when heaven gets hold of a person's life. Right? That's what we hope, that's what we pray. Is that the gospel is going to grab your life. This good news is going to take hold of you. It's going to turn you upside down. And in doing so, it's actually going to put you right side up. So the Beatitudes are not so much a description of the law that citizens of the kingdom of heaven are expected to follow. It's more this description of this life that emerges within us as we become followers of the King Jesus. Now the change varies, right? For some it's instant. For others, like me, it takes more of a lifetime. Paraphrasing C.S. Lewis, someone complained to him about this Christian who was a, who was a jerk. And C.S. Lewis said, well, you know, before he became a Christian, he was a complete jerk. <laughs> right? But as the kingdom gets hold of us, it begins to change us slowly from within. Secondly, the blessings that Jesus proclaims is the fortunate state of those who are in sync with God. Now, immediately before Jesus starts his sermon, we're told that large crowds had began to follow him. And the result of his preaching that the kingdom of heaven has come near, his healing, his casting out of evil, is that the sick and the paralyzed and ordinary peasant fishermen and farmers, those in severe pain, begin to become followers of Jesus. So you can imagine the type of crowd who are following him. Right? This is not exactly the Melbourne Cup crowd. This is not the lineup to get into Hugo's on a Friday night. Blessed are the poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, the merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers, the persecuted. Blessed, said Jesus. 
For yours is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is bestowing God's blessing on this crowd of peasants and fishermen and the sick and the downtrodden. He says, blessed are you, in sync are you with the very nature and heartbeat of God. Blessed are you. Some translators have the Greek word makarios uh, translated as happy. But I don't think that really captures, does it, what Jesus is trying to say here. You know, after all, happy are those who mourn? Doesn't really make sense. And happiness is a feeling, often related to a temporary emotion or a circumstance. The life that Jesus is describing is a much deeper reality. It describes the state of your life and the behaviours that emerge when you are in sync with the kingdom that Jesus is establishing on earth. So this is very different to the fake world of Instagram, right? Hashtag blessed. Right? Now, now you may have worked very hard. You may have been very fortunate in life. You may have been given great opportunities through education. And the result of that might you have, you might have a big home and fast cars. Well done. But Jesus is not bestowing blessed on those trappings of consumeristic Western lifestyle. Right? That should be uncomfortable for all of us. This is upside down. Blessed, in sync, are the meek, are the pure in heart, are the peacemakers. Alright, thirdly, the Beatitudes relate to one another. So this map for finding Jesus' followers, those distinguishing marks of citizens of the kingdom of heaven, seem to flow on through a person's life. So following Jesus is obviously going to lead to a realisation that we're poor in spirit. That's how I've been feeling as I've been preparing these messages and living in these passages. You know, you kind of realise this is pretty humbling stuff. That your life does not meet up to this. And you become poor in spirit. So it's humbling when you take stock of your own life. It's flaws. And it leads to a humility of spirit. Now that leads to mourning, does it not, over the condition of the world. The condition of our own lives. That creates in turn a desire to be meek. This idea that we no longer need to be in control all the time but that we can trust our strength and our gifts and our resources to God's will. Kingdom people then become very, very hungry and they become very, very thirsty. Not for the sensual desires of this world or the fake projections of happiness, but we become hungry for righteousness, for justice, our appetites, Get reordered. It's no surprise then that citizens of heaven become merciful when you're poor in spirit, when you've received mercy from King Jesus. It leads us to wanting this desire to be merciful towards others. And how could that not then lead to a purity of heart? Merciful, humble people desire to love others 
and keep their motives and minds and hearts pure. And that, of course, leads them to seek peace. Peace in their own lives. Peace in the world around them. And if, if, if those are the distinguishing marks of your life, then sometimes you're going to find yourself in trouble. Persecuted even. For following this kind of way of life. How could it be otherwise? In a world that is hungry for prestige, for power, that is drenched in unhealthy lusts and lies and divisions. These merciful ones. These pure in heart ones. These peacemakers. They get themselves in trouble. Remember William Wilberforce? They marginalised and they mocked him for trying to end slavery. Remember Dietrich Bonhoeffer? They executed him for trying to live Christ-like in Nazi Germany and standing up against Hitler. Remember the Reverend Martin Luther King Jr.? They assassinated him for trying to end segregation through non-violent peacemaking and through the civil rights movement. Remember Bishop Oscar Romero pursued holiness, stood tirelessly on the side of the poor and the mistreated in El Salvador while taking mass he was executed and murdered. Do you really want to follow Jesus? But remarkable things begin to happen in us when our lives are taken over by King Jesus. Not a thing on our own strength, but a pattern of life through which people begin to see Jesus. Blessed, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. You will be comforted. You will inherit the earth. You will be filled. You will receive mercy. You will see God. You will be called on this earth the children of heaven. Amen. Now just quickly in terms of those blessings, those rewards, the fruit of this kind of life that Jesus bestows as the blessings. Maybe you're asking, hey Jesus, when exactly do I get the blessings? And the answer is now. And the answer is not yet. You will see God, you will receive mercy, you will be filled somewhat now. But you will see God, you will receive mercy, you will be filled, filled fully when Christ returns. Is that clear? No? You see, with the arrival of Jesus, the inherent blessings of these behaviours, the blessings are already and they are not yet. It's the same with healing, it's the same with all the things of the kingdom of God. They're all ready because the kingdom has come near in Jesus. But they are not yet because his kingdom is yet to be fully established here on earth. They are here now because Jesus has come. But they are not yet because he is not yet fully reigning. 
Do the merciful always receive mercy? Are mourners always comforted? Do the peacemakers always get heralded as the children of God? But they will be. They will be. One of the hardest things that I'm privileged to do is to take funerals. And you get to sit with people in the hardest moments of their lives. Are they comforted by God? Do they experience peace? Well, often the answer is yes, in the midst of the hardest storms of life. But the reality is that they will also carry that loss for the rest of their lives. But hey, one day, don't we believe that we'll be swept up in glory? That we will see those loved ones again. The blessings are now, but they're also not yet. Alright, fourthly, we're, we're coming into close. Almost there. Just very briefly on this point, the Beatitudes are a portrait of King Jesus. This is his life. And I make this point just very briefly because Jesus manifests this blessed life so beautifully in his own life. In his humanity, do we not see what mercy looks like? Do we not see what the purity of heart looks like? Do we not see the peacemaker, the pure in spirit? We can tangibly experience his meekness and his righteousness. So if you are desiring these distinguishing marks, you know, like spotting that of a leopard, we can gaze upon Jesus, our Lord and Saviour, and we can look to him. This is, this is the life of the Beatitudes. Alright, fifth and finally today, how does all of this take shape in our lives? And I want to suggest it happens through proximity, proximity, proximity. You still with me? Tired with the masks. You all look asleep. In my 20s, I spent six years living overseas first, South Africa and Kenya. Uh, it didn't take long until I was speaking with some South African phrases saying, now, now, <laughs> cool bananas, you know, all those kind of things. Then I moved to London, and like most pretentious young Aussies, I adopted a bit of a West London accent. All of a sudden, everything was darling, fabulous. I learned, I learned that water was pronounced with a T and wasn't water. Is it water or water? Then it was off to Canada. I just slowed right down in order to be understood. My abouts became a boots. Good fun. But really I was just becoming what I was surrounded by, right? Our proximity shapes who we are. There's no shortcut to the life of the Beatitudes. To exhibiting these distinguishing marks other than proximity to Jesus. Proximity, proximity, proximity. That's why Jesus called those fishermen to follow him and they put their nets aside and they became disciples. The Beatitudes is about the life of discipleship. The slow, formative work of becoming like our master. They got what's wrong. Do we get what's wrong? 
but their lives began to be shaped by their time with King Jesus. And for us, there's no easy path or shortcut to being blessed. But by coming citizens of the kingdom of heaven and spending time with King Jesus. Sometimes you come across real saints of the Christian faith. I always notice they spend a lot of time gazing upon Jesus and in prayer. Amen? You always notice that they've gotten real low. And that they seem to spend a lot of time amongst the poor, serving and humbling themselves. And they've got a way of slowly dying to the old selfish self and arising in new life to the service of others. Proximity, proximity, proximity. Get close to the King and let His life begin to shape yours. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.